Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. So we're going to go to 1 John chapter 1, and uh, you can open there if you want. It's going to be a little bit before I get there. Um, But I want to give you just uh, basically the opener to what this study is about and the background of the book. Um, We're going to go through a few different things. So this is a verse-by-verse study into the epistle of 1 John. All right? So part of the vision of the church here is that people come to grow in their relationship with God and church family through life in Christ, and then they come to discover, develop, and serve through life in Christ. The first point of our vision is really about leading people to the Lord or people getting born again. Then after that, it's discipleship, and then really the last point is is living as a disciple. Um, A lot of times with believers, and it's just this way, and it's always been this way, um, you will have, it's easier to get converts than it is to have disciples. So simply what I mean by that is, it takes a dedicated person to be a disciple. Um, You notice that large crowds would come to Jesus, but he only had so many disciples. You'll notice that the conversations that he had with the disciples uh, were not the same as that with the large crowds. You, when it came to Jesus' disciples and who he, he picked, he had a large number at one point, but he broke it down into 12, a larger number, I should say. He broke it down into the 12 that we know, including the one that betrayed him, uh, Judas. But you'll notice that um, when he went and picked uh, John and his brother, and when he, he went and picked uh, Peter and Andrew and those, he called them out right in the middle of what work. And they literally picked up what they were doing and left. It's a wonder he picked them. Like the Zebedee boys, Simon's boys, the Zebedee boys, the, you know them as the sons of thunder. You know, people are like, God would never use somebody like that. Yep. And he'd nickname them the sons of thunder. But he actually called them while they were fishing with their dad, and they just left their dad. And the scripture, if you read through the Gospels, it says they just left their nets, they left everything, and they went with Jesus. And we live in a society today where it's, you know, Jesus is my homeboy. There are actually shirts of this. And I'm not, if you have the shirt, fine, wear it. I don't care. But Jesus ain't your homeboy. <laughs> I mean, he's, your, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but he is Savior and Lord. He is God. He is King of kings. He has proven his worthiness of our complete submission. And so disciples work toward that full place of submission to him. They, they uh, grow spiritually to where they, they rest upon him fully. And that's the purpose of uh, being a disciple as far as even studying the word. Studying the word is vital. And people allow all sorts of silly things uh, and, and wrong beliefs to keep them from studying the word of God. Including, I never got good grades in school. Um, I'm not really a reader. Um, 
and I think about these things, or I just don't have time uh, for that, or my schedule doesn't permit. And so actually what the church has done a lot of times is actually uh, conform to the culture's ideas about time and then tried to live in the maximum amount of presence with the Lord by ignoring what he said about what kind of time it would take. Um, some people have this idea of, well, we're under the new covenant, so it doesn't, you don't, you're not earning anything. So I just need to kind of bump along and go along and I'll just kind of live by the spirit. You are no more living by the spirit than you are in the word. I said, you are no more living in the spirit than you are by the word. In fact, I question your spirituality if you don't know the word. And I don't say that from a standpoint of works. I say that, I say that from a standpoint of this is the written word of God breathed and given by the Holy Spirit through men and really just secretaries to us. And so we label them the epistle of Paul, but really it's the epistle of the Holy Ghost. It's the epistle of God or the epistle of John. Same. We, we, we have names for them, which is fine for reference. It's just like chapter and verse. We added all those. Did you know that? Did you know that John didn't go verse one? <laughs> okay, he wrote a letter. Do you do that when you write a letter to somebody? Of course, people are like, I don't write letters. Some of <laughs> I text. Yeah, I know. I get it. But you don't, you don't go point one. You know, if I'm texting my, or she's texting me, you know, point one, Sean, go get these at the grocery store. Point two, you know, verse two. Yeah, sometimes she's like, sometimes I do. <laughs> it's probably needed. All right. <laughs> In other words, we need to be consumers of the word. So I, where I went to Bible college at Ramah, and Brother Hagin talked about this, and he did this a lot. He would make this statement a lot. Now, you got to picture this. He's 84 years old when I was there, 83, 84, something like that. I think 83, 84, yeah. He's been in the ministry now for 60 years. And he would get up and say things like, now, the more I learn, the less I see I knew. And that's reality. We are developing. If we don't consume this, you say what? The Bible. If we don't consume it consistently, we're in trouble. We're flirting with deception and we're flirting with destruction. We're actually, and people have, I've heard people, Pentecostals say this, and I'm going to get after us. You know, the Pentecostals, the word of faithers. I'm going to get after us. You're going to love it. And if you don't, you can lump it. <laughs> but I, I don't believe I'm looking at people that don't recognize what's going on in the world and don't recognize your own potential for quickly veering off of if you're not careful or being deceived by the enemy. Being veering off by the flesh or being deceived by the enemy. 
Paul, Peter said this. He said, you need to be sober. Be vigilant. What does vigilant mean? What, do, what would that imply to me? That implies that I better be head up and on a swivel. Not afraid, but, in, but empowered by the Holy Ghost, aware of what's going on around me. Because if we're not, and I'm talking about in the church, deception will creep in. And I'm going to share some things tonight in intro, and you know how I do. I'll believe God to go for three verses, and we'll get through half of one. (laughs) But we'll have revelation, because we're all in faith in here to hear from God. Amen. We want to hear from God, right? That's the goal. From his word, by the Holy Spirit, through the vessel he's chosen. But I want to hear from God. Yeah, I mean, it, it's often said, in fact, almost every time when we have a guest minister, man, it's easy to preach in your church. <laughs> Kudos to you. And when I'm preaching, I will learn as I'm talking because you're hungry and I should say because we're I mean you think about it are we going to win or are we going to win we're going to win we're going to walk through everything that the enemy comes against us with we're going to walk in love we're going to have victory because we walk by faith and not by sight and we walk in love and our love is the is the avenue through which our victory manifests Because faith works by love. We're not people that just want to have our ears tickled. uh, We have itching ears. Bring in the preachers that I like. (laughs) Use the scriptures that I like. My favorite ones. Uh, It often reminds me of the weightlifting illustration, Don't Skip Leg Day. How many have seen that? A, a picture or a meme like that or a video. If you haven't, Google it. You'll see these bodybuilders that are huge up top. And then their legs are just... Because they don't care about their... But believers are that way. In the spirit. You know, they, they talk about uh, uh, functioning or walking in the spirit, but they never spend any time in the word. I was... I was... Uh, trained at a Bible school where uh, some of the teachers would say things like, if you're going to pray in the Spirit one hour, you need to read the Word two hours. Amen. And we are in a Pentecostal church where, uh, and in an era where manifestations are being glorified beyond what they should be. And I'm going to say something else. Experiences in the Spirit are being glorified above the Word. I remember sitting in Brother Hayden's class and him talking about uh, during the Voice of Healing days. Now, if you, don't, if you don't know what these things are, you can go back and study it. But there was a healing revival that happened in the late 30s, I think mid-40s, and even into the 50s in America. And some of the names of the ministers were like Jack Coe, A.A. Uh, a. Allen, William Branham, uh, who else? Oral Roberts. And some of these guys had ministries and tent ministries that had, sometimes the tents, well, I'll just put it to you like this. The tents got up to seating twenty and 30,000 people. 
a tent with 20 or 30,000 people in. And you know why they had to get tents? Because there were no football stadiums in those days to handle the crowds. They had to buy tents. Like there wasn't a football stadium that could seat 70,000 back in that day. It, so they got these tents. Well, some of these guys had phenomenal miracles, but some of them also only lived into their 30s and 40s and had tragic deaths because they refused to obey the word and to be in the word on a consistent basis. They actually were functioning in gifts in their offices and actually got themselves out of the will of God to a degree and out onto the devil's territory and the devil took them out. So I remember things like Brother Hagin sharing with us about how he had prophetic word about a particular gentleman that wouldn't judge himself concerning money and food and he ended up dying prematurely. Now watch, this is the kind of stuff that we heard, all right, um, in class. Literally, this particular situation, there was a magazine at that time called The Voice of Healing. The Voice of Healing hosted was basically a magazine where they, they, they gave voice to all the healing ministers. So they would write articles, they would present their meetings, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Kind of like a, maybe a charisma magazine today or something like that. But it was Christian press. So during this one meeting, this particular healing minister was dying of cancer. And so all these ministers are concerned that God's going to have some sort of blight on who he is if the healing minister dies of a disease. How many know God still is God even if the healing guy who's in the healing ministry dies of a disease? How many know God doesn't go, oh, no. <laughs> he just receives him into glory. So they were going to bring up all these particular ministers, and they're going to pray over the man. So Brother Higgins in the back, he gets up, he starts walking to the front. The Lord speaks to him in an audible voice and says, don't go pray for him, he's going to die. How many charismatics today would rebuke the devil when they heard that? Oh, that's sobering, isn't it? You can feel it. It's just like, ooh. So he turned around and walked back and sat down. His wife looked at him and said, what did, he, what did the Lord say to you? And she said, what do you mean? Or he said, what do you mean? She said, you turned ghost white, turned around and came back. <laughs> he said, the Lord told me, don't go pray for him. He's going to die. And he did. But what you don't know also is that I think it was a year before or several months before Brother Hagin told, uh, the Lord told Brother Hagin to go talk to that man and judge him concerning money, his love walk, and food. And if he wouldn't, then he would be dead. Remember two weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I shared about the gentleman who uh, prayed for some people that were in wheelchairs and they came out of the wheelchairs and he took up an offering right afterwards? Same guy. So there's an importance in knowing the word. Because I don't care how spiritual we think we are. We don't know how to navigate the unseen without this. We don't. This is the clearest word of the Lord to us. This, 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 the scripture to us is, is a clear ring in the spirit. 
It is a, it is a lamp, and it's a light unto our path. Come on. And a lamp unto our feet. It is all of those things. And we need to be aware of that. We need to know the scripture. We need to understand the scripture. Even if the teaching of it in the, in the approach of it seems boring to the natural, in the long run, everybody knows that if you'll stay steady through the process, you'll enjoy the reward at the end. Amen? And so we need to stay steady. We're not going to be impatient. I heard, uh, I heard a, a minister ask Billy Graham one time, if you knew it was three years before the return of the Lord, what would you do? And a lot of people, you know, they asked a bunch of ministers and things, and they'd think, well, I'd just go out and start preaching everywhere. Billy Graham said, I would study for two years and six months and then preach for six months. I would prepare. Because God can do in six months with a man or woman of God who, have, who has prepared themselves and is established in the word of God, he can do more with that person than he can with somebody who's just full of zeal but very little biblical knowledge. Amen. But this truth is hard on your flesh. Am I the only one that has noticed that? I mean, I'm constantly, we are constantly being, uh, becoming more and more aware when you're reading this and looking at this, understanding the reality of Christ within, becoming more and more aware of how the flesh and the natural thinking are ingrained into our systems. And it takes effort to get that out. Now, thankfully, we don't preach condemnation. We just preach conviction, which provides what? It doesn't mean I'm not going to feel the pain of the truth, but it does mean I'm not stuck and condemned to death, but rather I'm shown a pathway to more and greater life. Conviction is that way. And so we need to be aware of that, and that's part of the process. So Luke chapter 6, verse number 46, and I'm going to read this to you through verse 49 in the Amplified, and I want you to see what Jesus, how he thinks concerning the Word of God, and we've looked at this before. But this is the purpose of Foundations Bible study. Luke chapter 6, verse number 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not practice what I tell you? Thank you, Lord. Appreciate that. I'm glad you said that to me. <laughs> right? In other words, the implication is what? If you're going to call me Lord, do it. Do the work. Verse 47, for everyone who comes to me and listens to my words in order to heed their teaching and does them, and what? does them, I will show you what he is like. So this is a, this is a doer of the word. He, he, he comes, he hears, he heeds. If you're going to take the time to heed, you might as well take the time to deed. Because if you heed and don't deed, no firm foundation. No manifestation of your faith. He is like a man building a house. What, what is he like? What is that person like? What is the person like that hears and then does? He's like a man, what? Building a house. Who what? 
Duh, who went down deep, that's the Amplified Classic, mine's a little bit different, but it will say the same thing, who dug and went down deep and laid a foundation upon the what? Rock. Does digging down deep sound easy? Now, I'm not saying you're working for your salvation. But I am saying that we live in a world that is working against your salvation. And that's what the Lord's implying here, right? He's saying, look, it's going to take a little bit. He's using a natural illustration to present to the current population that he's speaking to here. And we can understand it today. He's using working man's understanding of how to build a house. He's not talking to theologians. Now, they may be listening. But, you know, if it's not complicated enough, then they won't listen because they don't think it's truth. But Jesus was so simple, he would take phenomenal spiritual truths. Not that he wasn't a genius. He is and was. He could confuse religious people in his day with no problem. he just unravel them to the point where they went, don't ask questions. We're just going to look stupid. That's my version of they quit asking him questions. Because pride is that way. But the Spirit of God just looks inside of pride and goes, this. And they go, we're leaving. <laughs> they, they resort to, we have to kill him. Because we can't out-argue him. But what is he saying? He's using what? Simple truths. Natural things to explain a spiritual reality. Everybody here has, been, has driven by a job site and seen a foundation. Right? If you drive by, after the house is done, if you drive by 10 years later, and the house isn't sunk in on one side, what do you know? Good foundation. So have you ever felt like your life is pretty strong in some areas, but you need to call the company that jacks up foundations for other areas of your life? That's a good illustration. It really worked, you know. That's a deep spiritual truth, though. So what is needed for the area of my life where the foundation or my life is sinking or being washed out? Years ago, I did a job uh, for Terry, and we were out on the Muscle Shell River, and uh, there was a gentleman who had a uh, family who had uh, purchased a house, and it was a, um, a pre-made home, and then they, you know, they put a foundation down and all that stuff. And put the house on top. And we had to go in and repair this crack uh, from the master bedroom. And it went, well, almost, well, it went all the way down the hallway, if I remember right. All the way down. It went from the master bedroom, which had fallen in or fallen off on one side of the house. And it went all the way down the corridor and the vault, all the way down to the other end of the house. What happened? A pipe broke. Under one part of that house. And that part of the house, the, the, the dirt and everything that was there, what? Washed out. And what, was, what, was, what the foundation was sitting on went by. And so they had to jack the house up and then we had to repair those spots. Well, it's the same way in the spirit. If you get in the middle of something or I get in the middle of something and we go, 
I feel like part of my house is falling apart. Or my, you know, people make this statement, my life is what? Falling. Why? Well, I'm a faith person. I'm a word person. I stand on the promises. Is it possible that we know some things, but we could know So what? Every obstacle and quote-unquote what the world calls failure is an opportunity to reassess and seek God. Come on. It's not an opportunity. You, you don't need to think I lose now. You need to think I learn now. Right? You know, pe- people in the world understand these principles and they use them. People in the church go, they blame God. It's your fault my house blew away. Let's find that in Luke 6, 46. Let's see where the Lord takes responsibility for our lives falling apart. <laughs> he is like, verse 48, he is like a man who built, building a house who dug deep, or dug and went down deep and laid a foundation upon the rock. And when the flood arose, the torrent broke against the house and could not shake or what? Move it because it had been securely built or founded on a rock. How do I do that? See previous verses. For everyone who comes to me and listens to my words, verse 47, in order to heed their teaching and does them, I will show you. Come on, the love of God has never been to a divorce court. I know you don't get a lot of shouting on that. Do you know why you don't get a lot of shouting on it? Because we identify more with our emotion of the situation than we do the reality of the truth. And we have more respect for carnal things than we do spiritual things. Right? The love of God has never done that. Now, I, I didn't say there wasn't forgiveness. Amen. And I know there are legitimate reasons for divorce. I get it. What I'm saying is, is we need to look at things from God's perspective and go, Lord, I know you're merciful and kind. Thank you. Now, how did I screw this up? And how can we not have this happen again? How can we make this right? How can we fix this? Do you know what goes down, what has to go down in order for you to go, or you and I to go up? Pride has to go and we both, you know, in a, in a relationship situation or something like that, the two people have to go, or the multiple people in some cases, you know, they have to look at the word and go, yeah, I didn't do that. Watch. Hear me now. This is, this is good. This is so good. It's just going to nail our flesh to the wall. It's going to be so good. I mean, I can already feel the joy <laughs> rising within me. I mean, I'm honored to be picked to say the words, Lord. Thank you. It was just, nevertheless, not my will. Thine be done. In order for God to be exalted in our lives and for us to see the fruit, right? Then we have to look at the truth and own our own. 
I can't look at the truth and go, Lord, you know Rick did not do this. <laughs> and I wouldn't be such a ding-dong if he would do this. You say, are we in 1 John yet? No. And we are not going to get there. Because I, I want to grow up. Come on, this is our goal. Is to put, to have, we're to go into heaven with so much Jesus bling all over us. That people go, where'd Sean go? I see Jesus, but where? Come on. We're to put him on. How many have noticed that takes faith? And faith is not always just a cakewalk. <laughs> Verse 49. We need to ask ourselves this question. Verse 49. But he who merely hears and does not practice doing my words is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Well, I just, want, I just want to get to the house. I just want to get to the house. I want to get to the house. Those of you that are in construction or you have rentals or anything like that, or you go to buy a house, what do you inspect? You better inspect that foundation. Well, it's got new carpet. <laughs> Who cares if it falls apart? You should see the granite countertops and the, and the tile. And the tile won't be there in a year. Because it's all being supported by the most dull and boring, the part that nobody goes and looks at in a house. You don't ever go to the parade of homes and go, can I see the foundation, please? I would like to inspect all the gray. Everybody goes in and does what? Ooh, look at the ceilings. Look at the woodwork. Look at the, right? The aesthetics, right? But what's the most important part of that building? You had to go. There, there's, a, there's people who test the soil. Who go to find what? Bedrock. In order to put footings down and concrete down where that bedrock is. What is that bedrock? That's the stone that doesn't move. Ooh, I felt that go all over me. Who's the rock that never moves? Come on, he's the chief corner. And you, you and I want to just nuzzle our lives right up into that cornerstone. Rest on that cornerstone. Break over that cornerstone. Lay across it and just leave yourself there. Leave ourselves there. Why? That's the secure spot. You know, when you have a secure foundation, you can look out the windows and see the storm. But you know the foundation's good. You know, in uh, some places like uh, where they have hurricanes, like insurance companies won't insure certain places because they know storm's coming. 
they know they're going to lose their shirts. They're more apt to sell you flood insurance where you'll never need it. Because then they can make their money and not have to pay out. How many of you have had to switch? You got a better deal on your insurance after the hailstorm hit, so you switched companies. Because the company that you were in just paid you out, and they're like, your rates are going up, and you go, I'm finding new rates. Yeah. Am I the only one that's done that? Okay, I didn't think so. It's not illegal, you know. It's called capitalism. All right, anyway, moving on. <laughs> so what do they do in Florida and places like that? They build their, in, they put their insurance money into their house. They put windows in that can withstand hurricane force winds. What is that? What is that? What's the purpose? It's building your house with the materials that won't give way in the middle of the storm. Amen. It's building your house with the materials, the truth that won't what? They won't, you know this truth, you know this product has been proven, it's been tested, and you know it will withstand 120 mile an hour winds. You know the shingles on your house are not going to be obliterated by the storm that's coming through because you beforehand you built your house. Now, how many have done this perfectly by show of hands? Man, no hands. I just love this. You know, if there was a little kid in here, they'd be like, just because they want to raise their hands, you know? <laughs> so this is not condemnation. This is what? It's conviction. Why? I, need, I have some adjustments I need to make. Lord, show me where I've flippantly took your truth but not done it. God is so good. Because, I mean, you look into the perfect law of liberty and you go, it was by grace <laughs> through faith. Because it certainly wasn't works. There are times in my Christian life where I've thought, man, I know a few things. And then something happens, like Brother Hagin used to say to us, that knocks my head where my feet were a few seconds ago. And I realize, I got some growing to do. I'm not making an excuse for the sin. I just know that that happens sometimes. Amen? But he who merely hears and does not practice doing my words is like a man built, who built a house on the ground without a foundation against which the torrent burst, and immediately it collapsed and fell. And this is interesting in, the, uh, in, in Luke's version of this. And the breaking and ruin of that house was what? Great. Do you know what most believers try to do? Because I've done it. In the natural and carnal. They actually try to escape the storm. Instead of building, rebuilding correctly. Watch. That church hurt me. I'm. Storm will be at the next church. Word to the wise, it'll be there. People say, well, I found the perfect church. And you'll ruin it when you get there. <laughs> Just like I would. <laughs> I. We do this in the natural. 
I found new friends because the other ones betrayed me. And we, and some people just naturally thinking there's this process that takes place. We go, we, we honeymoon to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And what do we do? We actually end up ignoring the weakness or the crack in the foundation that we see, which is usually personal, right? It's, it's me, right? Because who can I change outside of me? Whew. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, you, the more you know, you have to watch. I had lunch with the person. Bless the Lord. And they don't go to this church, so don't try and figure it out. <laughs> <clears throat> I ain't that dumb. <laughs> I learned a few things over the <laughs> And super, this person's super smart. I mean, I'm, I can figure some stuff out. The Lord's given me some. I mean, you ever met somebody that's like knowledge just like sticks in their brain? You know, they read it once and they never forget it. That's not me. <laughs> it. It's more me today than it used to be because I, I practice believing that I can retain things. Do you know you have to do that? You have to believe you can learn and that you're smart and that God can teach you. Amen? Okay, anyway, I'm not going to go down that path. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking to this, this person. We're discussing a few things, and, and they said to me, and they were wanting to, to uh, just get some advice about different things, and they're probably maybe 20 years younger than me. And uh, I, said, I said, here's my one thing that I would give you counsel on, just to, just to warn you. I said, be careful that you don't let your intellect puff you up. Super smart. Like, I enjoy healthy banter about biblical subjects. I like it. Not like, I don't want to get in a fight, Okay. I know what I know, but I mean, you know how you can take a subject and you kind of talk around it? Maybe you don't fully understand certain things, but you talk around it, you look at it, it's fun. Think about different things, talk about different things. This person is very smart. I mean, they read and consume knowledge, and they have it, and they can, they can present it well. That's a key thing, too, you know, being able to explain what you know or what you feel like God's shown you. And I just told him, I said, look, because they had some, you know, strong opinions on things, which would make sense. Most of us do. Amen or oh me. And uh, I just said, I, I just caution you this against this one thing. The more you know, the more it matters how you present what you know. Amen? And so I said, just that one thing, I'd, I would just caution you with that. So it isn't just consumption of knowledge but application of knowledge that does what it creates a firm foundation okay we'll read this and then we'll be done there's a, a book by rick renner called how to keep your head on straight in a world gone crazy that's the whole title it's a long title and and this is this ties into what we're talking about with luke or, or, yeah, with Luke, what we were talking about, about being a doer of the word. And the different styles of preaching or teaching that are available. And this book, in a portion of it, 
I was reading some of it to our staff a couple of Fridays ago, but do you know the Pentecostal movement is the fastest growing church movement in the world? Do you know that the Pentecostal church today makes up almost a quarter of believers? And it started in the 1900s. Azusa Street, William Seymour, come on, imagine God. He names a guy Seymour and he's blind in one eye. I, just, I think it's funny. I'm not trying to be mean. I just, it's funny. And it, what's great, too, is William Seymour was an African-American uh, gentleman. And he, he, during a massive racist time, God used him to launch the movement. You want a little more history that will mess with your head? The Assemblies of God was started out of it. And the Assemblies of God was an all-white church when it started. You know why? Because William Seymour was black. And yet God still moved. Ooh, he's merciful. People think, oh, no, you can't say that. Well, they repented of it in the 60s. Are you sure? Yeah. I took a class called the History and Governance of the Assemblies of God. They talk about it in there. Can you imagine? God's awesome. He puts up with us. He knows how sin operates. Amen? So anyway, in this book, he talks about the Pentecostal movement, and he talks about how in the Pentecostal church where we believe that God did not secede from being God when Jesus went to heaven and the apostles, the early church apostles or the author, or the, those who were the secretaries of the Bible passed away, God didn't quit healing bodies, delivering minds, setting the demonic free. He didn't quit saving, filling with the Holy Ghost, baptizing with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. He did not stop being God, giving visions and revelations, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Come on. All of those things, tongues and interpretation. He didn't cease being the miracle worker, the healer. The gift of faith did not end. All those gifts were not sucked out of the earth when the last apostle, John, died. They remained. We believe God still does that today. But none of the gifts of the Spirit and the move of the Spirit as He wills replaces the Word of God. It confirms it only. There are no new books of the Bible being written. None. None. Well, my experiences are out beyond the Bible. They're out beyond where I want to go. Enjoy your trip, but make sure you repent. This is the only anchor that will stable your ship in the seas of the Spirit. Come on. Pirates of the Caribbean. It's theological. There's a biblical principle in there. Captain Jack Sparrow. In, I think it was in the first one. He steals a ship. That's not the theological part. 
he has this, he invites this other guy to come on with him. Because he said this, he said, I can't captain this ship by my onesies. <laughs> the sound booth is looking funny right now. <laughs> we got to edit that part out. What is he saying? What am I saying? You can't captain your ship by your onesies. Right? Just me and the Spirit. No. The Spirit is not leading you away from this. If, if He is, wrong Spirit. Rick Renner said this. I want to interject an important point here. This is uh, how to keep your head on straight in a world gone crazy. Quote, written by Rick Renner, pages 200 and 201. In case you want to go check it out. I recommend you buy the book. I want to interject an important point here. Many in the body of Christ have generally become biblically illiterate. In light of this situation, the importance of a verse-by-verse teaching of Scripture cannot be overstated. Because this approach to the Bible ensures that each truth and subject presented in a passage of Scripture is addressed. Preaching that, preaching that centers on scripturally based exhortation has its important place. Although it is not verse by verse exposition, it is usually based on broader concepts from the word that can, be superna- that can supernaturally impart strength, courage, and inspiration when done in the power of the Spirit. I greatly respect those who do it well and enjoy hearing them preach. These anointed preachers often stir me to needed action. But if this type of anointed exhortation is the only spiritual food offered to people, if a deeper verse-by-verse study of Scripture is not also provided in their spiritual diet, huge gaps will be left in people's knowledge of the Bible. A body of believers fed such a spiritual diet may have a passion to pursue the things of God, but they will lack a depth of scriptural knowledge regarding foundational doctrines that is only gained by a test-based approach to the scriptures. The bottom line is this. The ministry of the word must include both Bible-based exhortation and verse-by-verse preaching and teaching. Both are vital. When either are emphasized above the other, it leaves significant deficits in the spiritual foundation of being built in, pe- uh, being built in people's lives. Verse by verse. You know, when we did uh, Evangelism Explosion, and uh, uh, they were here teaching and sharing, one of the things that the head of it mentioned was the Berean Bible on audio. Um, Not everybody was here for that. But he said this. He said, you can actually... I couldn't remember. I don't remember how long he said it take to listen to the whole Bible because it'll read it to you. But he made the statement. He said, you can listen to a whole book, some of the books in like maybe eight minutes. Like especially the epistles because it just reads it. But what are you hearing? Verse... After verse, after verse, after verse, after verse. I can tell you this, because I've been in 
the charismatic church, been filled with the Spirit, pray with other tongues, have done it for years. Uh, rarely a day goes by that I don't spend some amount of time, if not extended, some extended amount of time praying in other tongues. The verse-by-verse study of the Word that I've been involved in and the study of the Word, with that has made me stronger. I love topic-based teaching. You know we do that around here. But we also need what? Verse after verse after verse. Josh and I were talking about this today. And we were discussing a few things, talking about some of the doctrines that I've heard in church and he's heard and just discussing certain things. And when you're passionate about preaching and teaching the word, you get excited about it. But there are... There are, there are beliefs in the Pentecostal church that the foundation for the experience and doing it is, uh, you know, all things are possible with God. That's it. That's not a doctrine. You have not established a doctrine by talking about spiritual things. This one specific, in fact, I'm just going to address it. I'm just going to talk about it because it seems to be an issue. I actually addressed it in when I worked with Mark McManus and talked to him and ministered with him on his show with Parr. Because in the drug culture, there's something called astro-projecting. How many of you have ever heard of that? Oh, quite a few of you. And it's a demonic thing. You go, you, you project yourself into the spirit. There are people that actually teach that you can just go to heaven and back whenever you want. No, you can't. That is unbiblical. So I was watching a video. Robert Slairdon was uh, sharing, and he uh, writes a lot of books and stuff. If you want to look him up, you can. But he was ministering where one of these particular ministers was, teaches this. Robert Slairdon has studied, I mean, go look at how many books he's written on evangelists and revivals and all this. I mean, he, the guy knows, ha, has studied and is well-versed in these things for years. Not only their successes, but their failures as well. And he actually met this minister and he confronted them to their face. And he has his place. He's established. And uh, he, he asked this particular person about this. And he said, he looked at him and he said, He said, "Uh, what scripture are you basing that on? And they said, all things are possible to him that believes. Let Let me quote another verse to you. Let me give you a picture of this, okay? Because this helps us stabilize some things. People will say things, and we do, and we believe this verse. I can do all things through who strengthens me, right? Can you do all things? Can you even inside the word? Can you? Come on, think about it. Can you pastor if you're not called? Well, you can certainly give it a go. But I'll bet you'll find something that you don't have strength for it. I think I popped a bubble on that one. 
We even make statements, and it's not a wrong statement. Is it in the word? How is it in the word? Where is it in the word? In context, what is it talking about? Okay, don't like the preacher one. Business owners. Can you do all things business through Christ who strengthens you? What if you get out into an area of business and God didn't tell you to go there? Is he going to empower you to go there? Well, I'm just doing it. I'm just making money. I'm just doing I'm, I'm called to. I'm just called to. Called to what? Specifically. Ooh, we better end it. We'll end it on a high note with that. How many, this is challenging you. Well, you better come back next week because you might just be left on a ledge. Do you understand my heart in this? My heart is not to steal your faith. It's to solidify your foundation. Because I don't want to just have a guest minister into our church just because they're having signs and wonders. During the healing revival, there were ministers that were mightily used of God. I'm talking about out of 100 people in a wheelchair, 60 of them got out when they laid hands on them. This is recorded. Some of it on video. And yet they would show up to services later on in their ministry with a jar with a frog in it, claiming they caught a demon. Or show up later with a jar or have something with like some sort of hair in it, saying they wrestled a demon, and it was demon hair. (laughs) How do we stay out of Deception. Oh, it isn't that sexy. And it isn't that exciting to hear this. But when your house stays put, you'll go, yeah, that was great. Let's go ahead and work on this foundation some more. (laughs) Because I don't know if you noticed it, but whether you built the house on the foundation or not, the storm came. Father God, we thank you for your word and your truth. We receive it. We'll be doers and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.